Hello, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker, and with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're on a quest to learn what the Bible teaches about theological topics that many Christians find challenging, confusing, and out of their reach. And we're always aiming to do this in a way that applies to the lives we lead. Here at Kitchen Table Theology, we want to help you be strong in your faith doctrinally, knowledgeable in and of the word theologically, and grow in your love for Jesus and others exponentially. In today's episode, Pastor Jeff and Aaron Pickering will be answering a few questions that were submitted during the End Time series at Lowcountry Community Church last fall. Erin has been on staff here at LCC for over eight years, and she's currently our Adult Ministries Director. Erin has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Communications and Political Science from Georgetown College, as well as a Master of Arts in Worship and Master of Divinity from Liberty Theological Seminary. If you've been around here for a while, you may remember that Pastor Jeff and Jen did an eschatology series on kitchen table theology. If you've missed those and want to go back and check out those episodes to learn more, or if you need to listen for the second time and review, you can go back and look for episodes 87 through 99. Today, Pastor Jeff and Aaron will dive in even deeper and answer six questions dealing with the rapture, the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, and false prophets. Before we get started with today's podcast episode, we want to thank you, our listeners, for leaving us ratings and reviews. We're grateful for each one because that really is what helps us get the word out to more and more people. One listener recently wrote, what a wonderful resource. I appreciate your concise breakdown of scripture and your insightful everyday applications from the word of God. Thank you, I'd Saul, for your encouraging words. We really are so glad that this podcast is a helpful resource for you. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us at the table. Well, hey, welcome back. My name is Erin Pickering, and I am here with our senior pastor at Low Country Community Church with Jeff Cranston. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Erin. We are so excited to have just a time together where we are doing a bonus Q&A because over the last eight weeks, our church has actually been studying Is This the End? based on your podcast that you did earlier this year, which are episodes 89 through 99. So if you haven't caught up with those episodes, and maybe you're listening to this on Kitchen Table Theology, we encourage you to go back and do that. But we've had our life groups submit questions. And so this is that bonus Q&A where we are going to go through these questions. And, and it's, boy, did we get... We got some doozies. We got dozens of questions. And so what we've decided to do is try to encapsulate, because a lot of the questions were similar, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think we have 19. Yes. Or 18. 19, 19 questions. Yeah. So, so we're going to do our best to do these in a concise manner. And if people have questions after this, they should- Do not ask us rather, any more questions, low country. <laughs> Google what? Church answers, David Jeremiah. <laughs> do that. No, we're only kidding. They were really good questions. So thanks for yeah. compiling them. And uh, I've done, Aaron and I probably have done about five or six hours each yeah, of research. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're hoping to give you good and biblical answers. Yes. If we don't, then what's the point? I hope we do a good job. Okay. So you ready for question one? Yes, yes, let's go. Okay, let's go. go. Okay, here's the first question that was submitted. Is there a prophecy in scripture that hints that the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem, which will signal that the rapture is imminent? Okay, so 
I'm throughout this whole thing. I'm going to stick closely to my notes because mm-hmm. I don't want to spout any heresy along the way. Mm-hmm. But that's a good question, and it presupposes, I, as I understand the question, it presupposes that when the temple begins to be rebuilt, is that a signal that the second coming is imminent? My answer would be, it would be if the temple is starting to be rebuilt prior to the rapture. We don't know. Right. All we know is that the temple will be completed by the midpoint of the tribulation. Right. So if it's rebuilt, if it's, let's say they start rebuilding it tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they have all of the everything's Materials, warehoused, everything they need. everything's ready to go. They don't have the location, though, the Temple Mount. Yeah, there's still there's a, there's a mosque there. They're still arguing. There's over a real it. problem, yeah, with that, which will be interesting to see how that gets resolved one day. But well, if that began, let's just say, if the temple began to be rebuilt tomorrow, then yes, huge major sign that the rapture is imminent. We but we don't know that the Bible doesn't tell us that. But we do know that it will be finished halfway through the tribulation, and the Antichrist will replace the sacrifices and the worship of God with himself, and he will literally be seated upon a throne. Yeah, because that's temple. mentioned in Matthew 24 yeah. and in Daniel 9, in Matthew yeah. 24, the Olivet Discourse, because it says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, for then there will be a great tribulation. And then we know that the temple would have been completed by that, that midpoint. Right. right. So, so that's that's all that's we know when it's finished. We don't know the exact time when it will be started. Okay. Nor how long will it take to that's to a, build it. That's an answer. If they have to deal with inspectors and all that, it could take forever. <laughs> well I think no. we could I think we could spend a lot of time talking about the location because that's been a site of a lot of war in the Middle East for oh, yeah. no, it's thousands, a highly volatile location. Yeah. Okay, next question. Does the Bible tell us that only Christians will hear the trumpet and see Jesus at the rapture? That only, okay, so when the trumpet blows, signaling the rapture, will only Christians hear the trumpet? I think that's a, that's a good question, and it's, it's a little bit difficult to answer because we don't really know. So they're referring to 1 Thessalonians 4, where the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ, will rise first. Right. Okay, so all believers will hear it. Right. We will hear the voice of the archangel. We will hear the trumpet. But we cannot be dogmatic on whether everybody will hear it. Unbelievers will hear what we hear. Right, because the Bible the Bible is pretty silent about... Well, it just the, doesn't say... It, does, it doesn't say it. So I think to help answer the question, we, we go to events in Scripture where believers heard heavenly sounds... And unbelievers were present. So what did those unbelievers hear? Right. So I thought of two. And in John 12, Jesus says, says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. Right. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. So the voice of God has spoken. The crowd says it's thunder. They heard something. They heard something. Others were saying, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sake. So that's John. Let's say you're sitting in your small group right now, and you want to look into that. John 12, 28 to 30. But then you also have Paul's conversion on the Damascus Road. Yeah. 
in Jerusalem. So a voice, he hears a voice, he falls to the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Of course, he's hearing the voice of Christ, which is the voice of God. And Paul says, who are you, Lord? Or Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus the Nazarene whom you're persecuting. And then we read this, and those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So they, they were witnessing it, but couldn't actually describe the events and what they were hearing or seeing. They heard something, but they didn't recognize it as the voice of Christ. They, they, they saw some kind of light. So it could well be, I think to get to the answer, it could well be that unbelievers hear the voice of the archangel, they hear the sound of the trumpet, and they think it is some type of thunder. Maybe they'll think it's some type of humongous explosion. Maybe some won't hear anything we don't know. The trumpet at the rapture is the signal to come up here. Right, because we're going to meet him in the air. Poof, off we go. Right. So the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet sound is not for unbelievers anyway. It's only for believers. It's, it's for us. It's for us. So if they do hear it, and they very well, I think they will. I they, think that they'll, they'll hear something. something. Yeah. But they're not going to be able to fully identify what it is that they're hearing. But believers will. And as the old song says, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Right. Gotta love those old hymns, right? I love them. Which lead, this leads to the next question that was asked is like, will those be left be aware that people are missing afterwards? So we can assume that they've heard something or seen something and they're not going to be able to describe it, yeah. but then we're gone. We're in heaven. So are people going to be aware that we're, that we're missing? I think that's a pretty easy one to answer. Hundreds of millions of people are here one moment and gone the next. Yeah, I think you'll notice. <laughs> I think so. I think people will notice. The, the the day, you know, the thing is, though, the day after the rapture, everybody who's left on earth is still going to be going about their the, business. They're going to get up and go to work. They're still going to eat. They're still going to farm. They're still going to this. They're still going to that. But it's going to be radically, radically different, of yeah. course. You know, that makes me think about, you know, in our generation and the older generation and some of the younger generation, because we're of a certain age, that I'm can, glad you said we. We. That we can remember 9-11 yeah. and all of the events that transpired that day. I mean, that shifted a specific time for us in history. It was a point in history. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day after that, that the world was still very confused, especially in the United States. Right. All the planes had been grounded. I mean, the uncertainty. I, yeah, the yeah. chaos. And I mean, and then yeah. if we look at everything that we experienced, even in the pandemic, I think there's going to be a lot of those feelings, I think, that for people afterwards, we're going to be missing and they're going to go about their business, but it's going to feel radically different. And nations are probably going to be certainly looking for where are all the people looking World for leaders experience. will be gone. Right. Presidents, prime ministers, kings. Military will, leaders. Will be gone. Yeah. Business exactly. leaders. Yeah. The, business leaders. It's going to be a major, major, major disruption. I would figure to would, everything on earth. I think it would be really hard to not notice that. Yeah, they're going to millions of people being gone. Everybody's going to who's left. And I think everybody who's left who is familiar with the gospel or familiar with the teaching of the end times. Oh, oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, no. And there's going to be a lot of people getting right with God the day after the rapture. I would imagine. But they're going to be in for it. I think that explains why one of when we always talk about the end times, that there's this point where there's going to be a lot of people. They're yeah. going to come to know Jesus because they're going to have that 
uh-oh moment after we're gone. And I think the tribulation period, those seven years, are going to be the most event evangelistic seven years in the history of the world. Yeah. Okay, here's a tough one. Here we go. Why will it be hard for pregnant and nursing women at that time? Is the first part of the question. And is it because of their fragility? That's the second part of the question. Interesting okay. questions. Yeah, it is. And they're referencing Matthew 20, 19, but we should understand the context. So in Matthew 24, 15 to 21, he's talking about th this, this context is the tribulation and Christians are going to be being pursued like animals. Right. The Antichrist and all of Hunted. his people are trying to, yeah, hunt them down and kill them. And we read this, whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak, but woe to those, or another word is alas, A-L-A-S, a good old-fashioned word. We don't use it much, but it, alas or woe, W-O-E, to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now or ever will. So he's warned his disciples here of a moment when Jerusalem and the temple are going to be destroyed. So this is the very end of the tribulation. Right. After it's been rebuilt, it's destroyed again. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it having already been desecrated by the Antichrist. Right. Which is why it's going to be destroyed again. And so... Those who are in Christ at that time are going to have to be running for their lives. So the purpose of the imagery that Jesus is on about in Matthew 24 emphasizes the level of danger that's going to be everywhere for mm -hmm. people of God. So he says, he says, woe to those or alas, which is they're both a term of sorrow. Right. And he, and he relates it especially to women who are pregnant or nursing. You're going to have to run for your life. They're going to run to caves. They're going to run to the mountains. And it's especially difficult to do that, but it's going to be even more so for those who have babies, for those who are pregnant, for those who are nursing children, to run for their lives, to go up these mountain trails and so forth their and kids find and a cave. Yeah. And they're carrying their kids. I'm pretty and, sure and moms. You know, a pregnant or nursing woman is especially vulnerable. I mean, she needs nutrition. Right for her and Formula. the baby, any all of that, and that's going to be when you when you're running for your life, you're cut off from your sources. So it's going to be very difficult. You know, it's this time of war, a time of siege, a time of persecution. We already know it's it has been a time of great famine. That's one of the wraths mm -hmm. that come out of the bowls in Revelation. So it's going to be a, a terrible, terrible time. I just think about moms who have trouble just getting into Walmart with their kids. <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody. I mean, in my extended family, or no, somebody, oh, it was one of our staff members' wives here at church, put a thing up on Instagram last night. Hey, if you're out shopping and you see one of these two formulas for our babies, please buy it for me and I'll pay you back because right. we're having There's a hard time a shortage. now. Right. Yeah. And we just imagine what they're going to face when they're trying to run for their and lives. It's going to be yeah. so, so, so much worse than, yeah. than that. Such yeah. a great question. So yeah, that was, a, that was a, actually a really interesting one to look at. Okay. So here, as we keep going... We're almost a third of the way through. I know. It's kind so of awesome. Let's go. We're going. Could the leaders of non-Christian religions today be false prophets? Now, let me preface that. What is the good definition of a false prophet from a biblical point of view? Okay. So could, could the leaders of non-Christian religions be false prophets? So what's a false prophet? Yeah. Okay. I love this. I think G.K. Chesterton said it. 
The best way to tell if a stick is crooked is to lay a straight stick down alongside of it. So the best way to tell a false prophet is to know what a true prophet is. Which means you got to know the word of God. Yes. Yes. That's helpful. <laughs> so here I compiled a little list. A true prophet, a man of God or prophet of God, a true prophet's words will be fulfilled. That's one thing. Okay. A true prophet's teachings are consistent with scripture. A lot of people running around today, well, I'm a prophet. They say it. You start listening to teaching, it doesn't align with scripture. A true prophet will always align with the teaching of scripture. Okay. Third, a true prophet's teachings will encourage righteous behavior and spiritual benefit. Fourth, a true prophet's life will reflect a divine call. Yeah, I love that. Because when I, when we talk about scripture and the prophets, there's a difference, I think, in today when people say, I'm a prophet versus when we hear Isaiah or Jeremiah where it says, and the word of the Lord came to them. Mm-hmm. That was always the like the indicator when we look at even the original text. Because for those who are listening, we were both a little nerds on some of the original text, but we love looking at it, but it says, and the word of the Lord came to them versus somebody just saying, I'm a prophet. There's a big difference right. on that because that points back to the and scripture. And the difference is because those uh, Old Testament prophets also said, I'm a prophet of God. Right. So, and we have people today who say the same thing. My next question to them is, well, who says? And so in the Old Testament, you see their divine call being accepted by the people. Right. Even unbelievers who hated them knew this guy's a prophet of God. Right. And they oftentimes like rolled their eyes and were like, oh, Isaiah, he's speaking again. (laughs) Yeah. Jeremiah's crying again. But, you know, they, they, they were accepted. It was known by the people. And so today you have a lot of people saying that they have this divine call from God to be a prophet. And nobody has seconded the motion. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's huge. And then lastly, a true prophet will acknowledge Jesus Christ is divine. Yes. The, the deity of Christ. That's always a breaking point in a lot of so-called prophets. So the question, could the leaders of non-Christian religious leaders today be false prophets? Of course, they already are. Right. Because they're not pointing towards Christ. Yeah, but they're not the ones I think we have to worry about. We know we know a false religion is false. Right. I think the false prophets we have to be worried about are the ones that arise from within the church. Right. That my mom always said that the most effective lie is the one that closest resembles the truth. Yeah. Something that is almost scripture, but not quite. Or there'll be a lot biblical. of scripture and then all of a sudden, boop, they go off. In a left turn. And you're like, wait a second, that doesn't, that's not right. Right. And that's. That's how you can. That's how you can tell. I mean, that, and and it normally breaks down on who Jesus is. Yeah. Do they point to the deity, and do they point? Are they going back to scripture? Are we seeing scripture fulfilled? And are we yeah. seeing really the divine nature of Jesus in everything pointing back to Him? So yeah. I think, yeah, I think definitely to answer the question, yes, non non Christian religions, those yep. leaders can be false prophets, but if they're non Christian, they're not really calling us to God. False prophets within the church, look, you know, it's really good on the outside. But to use Jesus' analogy a little bit differently, they're whitewashed tombs. Right. They're, they're okay, acceptable on the outside, but inside full of dead men's bones. So those are the ones we have got to be on the lookout for, the ones that come from within the church. And the only way you know that, as you said, is to know God's word. And this is why we do... You do kitchen table theology mm-hmm. because of how yeah. make sure that do you know the word and what do we believe and how do we talk right. about it, which I've loved you and Jen doing. Okay, so here's 
I love this question that got submitted because I love studying about angels just from a biblical perspective because it just reaffirms Christ's superiority. So here's the question based on Revelation 9.15. Are these angels God's angels or fallen angels? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. So here's the verse. <laughs> yeah. Revelation 9.15. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. So were those angels God's angels or were they Satan's angels? That's the question, that, right? Yes, that's, that's okay. the base of the question. I have said this for years. I'll say it again. Like everything in Bible study, context is king. It rains. So to pull that verse out, you've got to know the context. You've got to know what came before it. You've got to know what comes after that verse. Right. If, if not, we have no context for it. So chapter 9 tells us that under the fifth trumpet judgment, there are seven trumpet judgments. Right. Under the fifth one, John sees a star fall from heaven to earth. The star is Satan. Yeah, which is the devil. Yeah. And he's given the key to the bottomless pit. So using the key, Satan unleashes a plague of super, supernatural demons that are released upon the earth. And they resemble locusts, John said. They look to me like locusts. They were released to torment unbelievers for five months. And John said, with such torment and such pain that the people will seek death unsuccessfully. Try to kill yourself. You can't even do it. And they won't succeed. Won't succeed. Try to find relief. Won't find it. There's none. So they also appear like horses prepared for battle. Hmm? They have a... Their own king, whose name is Apollyon. Meaning destroyer. Yep. So then under the, that's the fifth trumpet. Under the sixth trumpet, John sees four angels released from the Euphrates River. And their release coincides with a horde of what? Of, 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 the, demo- of the demonic the million that are. Armor. There's like 200 million mounted troops that will kill a third of mankind. And this is, again, this is during the latter half of the tribulation period. So, so that's the context. So these angelic beings, what we know, back to the question, yeah. they, they were bound already, meaning they had been fallen angels. So these right. were not God's angels. These are Satan's angels. Because remember, we know that when Satan did his rebellion against God and he was kicked out of heaven, so to speak, a third, a third of, them of the went angels with them. went with him. Right. So this is four of them. And they have been bound for such a time and 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 year and month and week and day. I mean, it. They knew exactly when when it was going to happen. Thanks so much for listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify or whatever is your favorite podcasting app, and so that you can continue your journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Don't forget, you can check out today's episode notes and more at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us anytime. It's pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Lowcountry Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. We're also very grateful for our partnership with Columbia International University. For 100 years, CIU has educated people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. 
They offer undergraduate, graduate, and seminary programs on campus and via convenient online programs designed for working adults. You can check it all out at ciu.edu. Join us next week as we'll be back with another episode with Pastor Jeff and Aaron. They will continue to answer questions regarding the end times. You can watch their full conversation on Low Country Community Church's YouTube page. Until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table.